Hi guys, welcome to Blind Guy Talks Tech. We are here today and we have a very special episode for you today because it is all about volunteers. Now, it was uh, Volunteers Week, it's just coming to an end and uh, a great opportunity to celebrate the work of volunteers up and down the UK from RNIB and AbilityNet. So absolutely brilliant. I want to first bring in, uh, although we have many wonderful people to talk to, I want to bring in Christine Harrison first from uh, RNIB, who really is the driving force behind this event and making this all happen today. Christine, firstly, thank you uh, to you for being here and uh, welcome to Blind Guy Talks Tech. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. Why are we here? Well, the idea is that, you know, we want to say thank you to our volunteers and, you know, hopefully we say thank you all the time. But Volunteers Week is a time for us to really kind of focus and, and celebrate. And really about today, we wanted to showcase exactly what it is volunteers are doing and how much impact they have, um, you know, on our customers, because these types of services, um, you know, we couldn't actually deliver them without volunteers. So um, want people to know how important they are to us and how much we appreciate them. And I'm here today with Shauna. I've got Steve as well. And we have Pat and uh, we have Gordon with us as well. Uh, now, Pat Maskell, you are, you are an AbilityNet coordinator in the Cumbria region. And um, yes. tell us what you do. What, all of it? Let's, well, let's, let's, let's go for the potted history. Let's go for potted history. Okay. <laughs> um, right. AbilityNet. Uh, I suppose people know what AbilityNet does. Um, we helped older and disabled people um, with internet technology. Um, and uh, the organisation um, is, for volunteers anyway, for volunteers, is that each county in, in the UK, um, Donna Groats to Land's End and Northern Ireland, um, is allocated what they call a county coordinator. Um, and a county coordinator has quite a lot of things to do, really. Um, they will obviously um, do um, client calls and home visits, just like normal volunteers. But also what we do is we coordinate um, all of the requests for assistance that we get in. So say me, for example, I currently have um, a whooping grate, which is, you know, considering how many sheep are in uh, Cumbria, um, I've got a whooping grate, seven um, volunteers um, to talk to, to coordinate, to make sure that they're happy, to make sure that they know what they're doing, um, you know, answer their requests for, for help. Um, and generally just keep the um, the wheels oiled and going so that we are responding to the cl clients in a timely fashion and with hopefully, you know, good outcomes. Um, the, the other side of the coin as a county coordinator is that we also have to market AbilityNet um, across our area, um, which can take a bit of doing um, because, of course, not everybody um, wants digital assistance um at their particular time um and and you get an awful lot of people saying oh and i didn't know about you didn't hear about you so it's you know it's a county coordinator's role to promote ability net um throughout their area and other areas wherever wherever possible that's that's the challenge isn't it often people knowing the service exists there are so many people who could benefit from it and i guess the challenge is especially for those with low vision those who have gone blind later in life especially they don't have the ability to find out or, or get the information unless they happen to either meet someone 
or they hear about it from you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, one of the volunteers uh, that uh, Pat mentions uh, and talks about as part of uh, AbilityNet is uh, Gordon Curry. Now, you are a volunteer over in Northern Ireland. Hello to you, Gordon. Afternoon. How are you? I'm all right. Good morning. Good day. Good uh, good evening. It can be anything as far as I'm concerned. I am completely out of whack with time. Uh, so it could be absolutely anything. But great to speak to you, Gordon. Um, so you're on the ground. You're the, the person who people meet, to, who, who they talk to about essentially services that, that are perhaps needed or perhaps technologies that you can offer uh, assistance on. So perhaps you can maybe tell us about what you do and uh, who you speak to. Yeah, well, I, I've been a volunteer for Belinda now for four years. I retired about five and a half, six years ago, decided I needed something to try and occupy my brain and try and keep it active. And I came across Belinda and signed up and volunteered. So I've been volunteering now for four years. Um, particularly in the last couple of years, we also now support Wireless for the Blind, um, that organisation, and they approached us at the sort of mid part of the pandemic that could we support volunteers remotely in their own homes uh, with particularly the, the Wireless for the Blind radio sets. And I've been dealing with that now for about 18 months. So a bit like Pat, um, as an individual, I, I deal with all those tickets from Wireless for the Blind for assistance with their uh, radio systems. Um, as of late, most of it has been remote support, but in the last six months or so, we're back to visiting people in their homes and helping them with their, their technology. And that's something I really want to drill into because, of course, a lot's changed, right? I mean, we we get so used to doing remote support for the last couple of years, although I don't think a lot of people probably enjoyed that quite so much. I'll be interested to come back to you, Gordon, in a moment and hear your views on this. Let me turn to Shauna Slee, who's a Technology for Life volunteer for RNIB in the Northeast. Shauna, uh, thank you so much for being on Blind Guy Talks Tech in our special today. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do because you're a remote volunteer. So what does that mean? Yep, so I am a remote volunteer and that basically involves uh, all of the volunteering that I do is either over the phone or it's via Zoom or Teams and basically it involves helping blind and partially sighted customers to learn how to use um, mainly screen reading software and it can be other apps on smartphones, tablets and computers. So I've done a lot of work with voiceover on iPhone, iPad and Mac. So it's basically giving, uh, like helping customers to learn the basic voiceover gestures and then helping them to apply them those gestures to tasks such as mainly like email writing, web browsing. Um, but I've worked with quite a lot of screen readers. So there's voiceover, uh, Windows Narrator, voice view on the Fire tablets, um, there's synaptic, there's been it, it's very varied what I do. Um, so it can change. Uh, so, I, for example, I've helped um, university students and college students to kind of use their Mac, their MacBook and computers to aid with their studies. So that can be kind of document reading, again, web browsing, um, even things like proofreading the best with voiceover. Um, and then on the other end, I've kind of helped people to access things like RNIB reading services um, but it can be very varied because people have different levels of uh, understanding of screen readers so sometimes it's kind of starting from the beginning um, and teaching them basically the basic gestures and um, that's that's about it really. What's the best screen reader in your view? 
Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be biased because <laughs> I I've got an iPhone and a Mac, so I'm definitely a voiceover person. So I'm. I d- and I that's do the have right answer, Shauna. Well. That is the right yeah. answer. Congratulations, voiceover. you've you've won the prize. Um, <laughs> if there was a prize, um, you would win it. But uh, yeah, but we'll get into that as well because I think there's so much to talk about around screen readers and you know teaching as well, especially remotely. I think that there's, there's so much in this I want to get into. Uh, Steve King's also an RNIB Technology for Life roaming volunteer in the Northwest, and you actually go out to people's homes, Steve, is that right? So uh, tell us uh, more about your role. Uh, yes, uh, I receive jobs from the RNIB, uh, from the coordinator. Uh, sends me all over Merseyside and the, the outer area up to Chester. Um, so it covers a, a big area. So I, I go to people's hours and, and if they're having any issues with their laptops, their PCs, phones, any kind of technology devices that they're using for assistive uh, needs, uh, it can be small issues. Uh, if a certain part of the software is not working, I'd fix that. Or if the computer is actually not working, then, or, or it indeed needs setting up for assistive needs, then I would go and, and yeah, it's basically hardware and software issues that they're having. Um, yeah, that's, and I've, I've been doing that since about 2006. Mm. Um, so I've been doing it a long time. And do you love it? I love it. I love it so much that it gave me the inspiration of starting up my own company, uh, oh, really? which, which is doing, you know, the same type of work. Uh, you know, fixing hardware, fixing software in, in people's homes. So, so it has it has given me as much as I've given. Did it? Did it give you the confidence, perhaps, to because you were having that interaction with people, and because you're a volunteer, there's a there's a sense of you're giving someone something, and they're getting something of it. You're seeing the response, and and that that built your confidence. Oh yes, yes, it certainly did. Um, because I, I was doing alarm engineer, which was kind of similar, going to people's houses and fixing their alarms um, with the RIB. Uh, you know, the, it's, I get such a positive response of helping people within their homes that it just kind of gave me the inspiration of, of doing it as a, as a career. Uh, but I still volunteer with the RIB uh, because I believe it's such a, a great role to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Gordon, I want to come back to you because uh, you know you mentioned that you got into this. Um, you were looking for something to do. You were, you know, essentially wanting something to keep you occupied. But my question is, and I, I guess this is a common question you must get from other volunteers as well: How do you keep up to date? Because technology is forever changing. I work in this field. I know it is just a forever changing environment. How do you keep up to date, Gordon? Um, actually, most of it's driven by calls, by by client tickets these days. So it's solving problems that people have and doing my research on the internet. So I'm an engineer by trade. I, I, I spent 30 odd years in IT and technology. So I have a bent in that. I have a huge interest in new gadgets, new toys. And really these days it's about where these uh, devices, particularly we, we spoke beforehand about smart speakers, that technology, how that really can assist people in their own homes. I mean, and I like having those gadgets to play with myself and trying them. Absolutely. You cannot have enough gadgets. I mean, I think, no, Pat, you, you were, not, no. you, you're not so keen on having as many gadgets in the home, are you? You've, you're, you're just getting used to the Amazon Echo, I believe. 
Yes, uh, I have a number of Echo devices about the house, had them for a few years. And, and, and again, uh, that was partially driven by a client with MS who was, who was bedridden mm. and wanted to be able to control their TV, listen to radio, listen to books. But the driver, the, the driver of it was the ability to turn her TV on and off, use her, use her skybox, uh, record programs, change channels. Um, with the combination of uh, an Alexa and an infrared device, I managed to do that for her. And in fact, bizarrely, when she got the device in her house, she actually found listening to books uh, much more of a, an advantageous thing for her than the actual control of the technology. That's interesting. That's, that's yeah. interesting. And it, it just you know, going back to what we had from Steve, um, you know, that reaction from that individual, when you set all that up, when you have that working, and that person's able to do that for themselves, oh, it's a, it's be independent. A, it's absolutely wonderful feeling when when you manage to do that for somebody. To yeah. see the the delight in her face, to be able to listen to book. Uh, most of it was was religious stuff from the Bible, which not particularly my bent, but I could see the joy in her face of her being able to do that for herself, absolutely as opposed amazing. to relying on other people. Yeah. Shauna, how did you get into volunteering with RNIB? Uh, to be honest, I'd I'd left uni, um, and I, I was kind of job searching and and everything. And a friend actually sent me a link called Charity Job. Um, it, it's a website, and I found it on that um, like on that website, and I thought it it just sounded exactly like something that I wanted to do because I really wanted to give back uh, give something back and i really enjoy just basically using technology staying up to date with technology and i as a blind user of technology understand the impact that it can have so um it it's just really as as a few people have been saying it's very rewarding but um back to how i got in, got into it i just kind of applied and then um yeah i got accepted and it was basically just when I'd left uni and I was looking for something to kind of do. And I had the idea in the back of my mind that I wanted to kind of give something back to the community. And that was, that is the perfect role, to be honest. And how do you keep up to date with everything? I mean, that's like I was saying earlier, there's so much to keep up on and on top of the world of, of technology is forever changing. How do you keep up? Um, I would actually say te definitely technology podcasts um, and even looking on websites like Apple this again, Apple, <laughs> but um, I would definitely say um, again, po podcasts was a, is a really good way. Um, I used to listen to uh, Tech Talk um, and it, it there's just loads of different technology podcasts that I like to and even watching uh, different different events. Um, or like listening to reviews for different products um and things like that it's that's basically and i just i just love technology like everyone else has been saying i just love like i've got a um a alexa or lady a device as well and just i just really like testing new devices as well it's about solutions as well steve isn't it uh, as gordon said you know it, it's about being able to provide solutions to people. And that can often be the, the joy, I guess, in in finding the the result for someone, the right product for someone, or the right solution for someone. Uh, yes. So I always I always approach any kind of issue as a as a as a challenge. Uh, as, a, as if to say, no, it's not going to beat me. Technology is not going to beat me. I, I just put myself in. And even if I don't know, I'm I'm a YouTuber. 
uh, or I'll, I'll research it and, and find out the answer. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes it has it has gotten me, you know, I've tried every kind of solution there is, um, but I always I always put it in just at the end of the day, you just want to get it working for the, for the customer. Yeah, no, totally. Now, I want to ask the three of you, and I'll give you a minute to think about this, um, but I want you to tell me the um, either the most unusual solution you've come up with for someone or perhaps a solution for someone that you really had to spend a bit of time on, or maybe it was a wacky solution, but actually turned out to be, or, or a wacky request that you thought, um, and you were able to find a solution for it. So I'll give you a second to think about that. I'll come back around to the three of you in a moment. Um, but Pat, coming to you, because the key to all of this is getting the volunteers in, right? That's the key to everything here. Um, and it's, it's the recruitment. And I guess as a coordinator, that's is that part of your role? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really difficult uh, to find people um, now that now that COVID is over at the moment, it's really difficult to find people with the time. Um, during COVID, there were people with time on their hands who were more than willing to help. Um, but any other time, <clears throat> it is quite difficult um, to find people. I've been kind of fairly lucky. Um, I uh, One of my volunteers um, is a lady who has been helping me for a couple of years now at a local group session that I run. Um, She suffers from fibromyalgia um, and is not as um, mobile as she used to be. Um, but her knowledge and the way that she's worked through, she, she like you, Shauna, loves Apple, um, iPad and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and, and Apple and me, uh, I don't know so much about it. So Yvonne um, cover, covers that side. Um, and she's a really good, you know, she's good at talking with people because that's what you've got to be. You've got to be, you know, quite happy and comfortable talking to anybody um, because the clients we get, we, we get, you know, all ages, um, all backgrounds, um, all with their own different, you know, di- different problems. Um, one other uh, volunteer that I found happened to be looking for work um, and, and went onto a website and then was told that it was a good idea to start volunteering. So young Joe came and vol- because he wanted to be in the technology field, young Joe came and volunteered with us. And Joe is now my security expert because he's he's, he's working with a firm because of the partly because of, of the volunteering that he was doing, but he's he's ended up with with a job with a firm that gives security advice to people. So that not only enhances you know Joe's situation, it enhances ability in its situation because I've got somebody we can call on. Um, but what I found about all all of the volunteers. Um, they just want to give something back, like you, Shauna. They ju- they just want to give something back um, to the community that they are in, and they are absolutely really, really wonderful people who will go, you know, th- th- that inch further, that mile further, um, to help somebody, um, whatever their problems are. I'm really glad that you mentioned um, about the challenge of getting volunteers in, because I think that people listening to this might think, well, you know, that's great. You, you've got all the volunteers you need. It's great. Everything's going well. You want more. And that's across AbilityNet and RNIB, I guess. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially, and I'm going to say this at the moment, because of the uh, situation the country finds itself in since covid we have got uh, public services that are stretched to the limit 
and what we are finding, um, and, and me certainly from taking the calls in, is that more and more of those um, organisations are looking to the third sector, as we are called, uh, charities. Um, they're looking to the third sector uh, for help and support um, with clients that de they're dealing with. Um, and one of the big ones is around the mental health issues of, 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 of COVID and what it's caused. Um, and they're, they're looking at put people, you know, getting people into social situations again, putting it, put them in, into contact with other people. Um, so we're help, able to help with that. So not just, for, you know, from the disability, well, I suppose from a disability point of view, you know, ability to being able to help. Um, but yes, more volunteers is 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 good. Um, we can keep people occupied at the moment, well and truly. And, and you know, I, I thank you for saying that because I think there is a real. And you know, we'll maybe talk about this in a moment with our volunteers here. But I think that there's so many areas where technology is often the beginning of the solution, and that can actually aid a better. Uh, mental health environment for someone. So for example, if someone is mental is having mental health issues, having access to technology, especially let's think back to the very beginning of the pandemic mm. and, the, and the challenges and the isolation so yeah. many people must have felt. Yeah, yeah. And if they didn't have technology in their lives, they wouldn't have access to, you know, the Zoom calls that everyone was on or the, you know, the, the meetings that were happening or the WhatsApp chats and all that stuff that's going on. The technology is really important for that. So we'll, we'll get into that maybe in a little minute. I don't know if you want to comment on that, Pat. Well, yeah, no, I, I have to agree, Stephen. Um, we, I have spoken to lots of, of people who have, uh, have been having trouble or were having trouble over COVID um, and assisted them to do things like those Zoom meetings and Teams meetings and getting to meet people. And they all say um, that it is nice to be able to actually talk to people and to see people. Um, a lot of them were really, really isolated and, and they then go and they become involved in groups. Um, we all need it. We all need to talk to somebody. You know, we're having a bad moment. We all need to talk to somebody. Um, and, I, and I think the more that we can assist uh, people to talk to each other via uh, technology, because a lot of them aren't aware of it. I, I wish, you know, a lot of people, a lot more people were um, about what is is available um, with or without a disability. Um, we all need to talk. Yeah, absolutely. Christine uh, Harrison, I want to bring you back in here. Um, firstly, to, to comment on this, because from RNIB's perspective, I guess it's the same story, right? You want more volunteers, you need more people to get involved so we can provide, or so the RNIB, I should say, can provide more support out there absolutely um we we do need more volunteers um and we do try and kind of you know give people roles that kind of suit their skills that's why um you know shauna's a brilliant remote volunteer she's really great at helping people over the phone she doesn't necessarily want to be going to random places and gadding about whereas some people love that they love you know getting in their car and going around someone's house um we've also got volunteers that will do this from a fixed place so um we also have tech hub volunteers so they're volunteers that will um be in some kind of building like a library or an rnib building or a, another partner like a sight loss charity and do like appointments for people for them to come in and bring their tech so because you know not everybody um is able to or is happy to or is you know 
it's appropriate for getting help over the phone. Not everybody wants someone to come into their house. They'd quite like to go somewhere and get help. So we're trying to kind of, you know, have these different roles. Um, so it's different opportunities for volunteers, but also so that customers got different um, ways of accessing technology help through our service. And did that start as a result of the pandemic or was that always available? The idea of having remote support, the tech hubs, the option to 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 actually i mean obviously out and about was i guess the, the major one at the beginning right people were up pre covid people were going out visiting people in the homes i just wonder the tech hub and remote support was that new so not not really i mean the home visiting aspect i think the same for us and ability net the kind of stuff that Stephen um gordon are doing that's always been what we call our bread and butter role cuz you know people see that as a gold standard of you know that we can actually get someone in someone's home but the problem is we don't have um total coverage of the uk and we do work quite closely with AbilityNet, especially in some areas where you know they know we've got volunteers we know they've got volunteers and we try and kind of get somebody to that person um obviously um, there are sometimes we just don't have somebody and we're trying, you know, even trying to go, well, can you get a person there and we can maybe help them over the phone? Um, and that kind of thing did kind of become more important during COVID. So we were providing a remote service, but it was kind of, you know, bobbing along. And then obviously when the pandemic happened, we had to kind of go, actually, this is all we can do now. Um, so a lot of our um, volunteers that do home visits were also helping over the phone, um, as well as having people like Shona who are, you know, more kind of regular users of as- accessible text. They're probably able to do a little bit more and get, you know, get in, in deeper with, with training and stuff. So the hubs were, were going on, but it's something that we do want to expand. It works really well where there's, you know, people with sight loss are going into a city centre or into a place where, you know, they're going anyway um, and they can just pop in, you know, make an appointment and just pop in for half an hour and an hour to get a wee bit of help rather than it being a, you know, a kind of, um, you know, coming to the home as well. So, yeah, it's 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 good that the pandemic's kind of highlighted that there are different ways and there are other um, things that we're hoping to do in the future to kind of expand you know how we help people um, but yeah it's, it's not a kind of one thing fits all just because of the nature of it and I think some of the remote stuff is great because it doesn't depend on where you are and if someone happens you know because you could have a volunteer that's around the corner but they might not really be confident in the piece of tech that you need them to help you with as well so, um, you know, we, we even have, you know, combinations of all these things happening sometimes. Um, people might, you know, get a home visit and then they get the confidence to go, actually, I'll go into a hub or maybe I will try getting some help over the phone. So it's really good that we've just got all these different options, I think. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm really glad we're able to highlight that here um, for so many people who, who just need support, need help, just someone to talk to, to say, how do I do this thing or... You know, I, I, my, my grandson keeps telling me about this device and how it can change my life, but can it? Because I am blind and how will this work for me? Uh, so it's absolutely brilliant. You can match those people together and, and you know, get the result and, and, you know, help someone engage with technology to improve their lives, to enable them, which is, is just brilliant. Um, Christine, have we any questions or does anyone want to, at this point, 
um, ask any questions or, or make any comments at this stage? Um, we don't have any questions at, at, at the moment. We do have um, a couple of comments. So Steve saying IT technicians from local schools will be great for volunteers because that's what he was. So, yeah, maybe that's yep. somewhere where we could um, look at for recruiting volunteers. Um and Jeff does point out, you know, remote help is really handy. I know Jeff does a lot of remote stuff now. I know he's expanded into Wales um, from England. He's <laughs> um, taken over. I know remote help <laughs> is also handy for really quickly solving a problem. So rather than that person having to wait for ages, just you really kind of let's just sort it over the phone. You know, you don't need to have um, a kind of more protracted process going on. Um, I see Pat's got a hand up. I'm not sure if it's about this point. Yeah, it, no, 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 it was. It was about this exact point of, of remote support um, because it has been um, really good uh, for AbilityNet um, to assist people, especially with the, the, the quick questions because all when somebody needs assistance, sometimes it doesn't involve a home visit. And if it can be done remotely, um, what that does, that frees, you know, somebody else for a, for, a, for an extra home visit. And as I say, some of these queries can be handled rem remotely quite easily um, and, and thus freeing up one of those volunteers that are like gold dust. Anyone else with any comments? Anyone want to unmute and uh, maybe ask a question or make a comment at this point? You asked earlier, uh, Stephen, about remote support, and it really depends on the client. As to whether that will work. Mm. Um, so some cases I have a, a blind client who remote support really isn't a thing that could occasionally have done it with one of his carers there to help and assist, but generally it requires a, a visit on site to, to support him. In other cases, as Pat said, if you can do remote support, you take an hour there and an hour back off the journey, you can devote more time to the actual call. And also I've found um, that doing remote support, you're, you um, or I am more inclined to be hands off. So if I'm there in somebody's computer and doing something, you sort of tend to push them out of the way, get up the keyboard, and you're doing everything for them. Whereas with remote support, you've you've got the opportunity to let them do it and show you what they're doing and where they're going wrong. Okay, so let me ask you the question I was going to ask you guys earlier um, regarding the the wacky request or the. Um, solution that you thought, hmm, how, how will I find this? I'm going to start with Gordon because I think I know the one he's going to suggest. We, <laughs> we talked about this before we started recording and I have to say, I, I will be stealing this advice. So, so to tell people the, the, the problem you were faced with and your solution because it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, uh, it, it actually started as a, it, so the, the client in, in question is blind, but it started as a call. He has the Sonata radio service, which is a streamed radio player. And it stopped working. So I called with him. It actually turned out to be his simply his internet was down and needed rebooted. But we got chatting about other things. And he was interested in getting Alexa. Um, but he has an aversion to Wi-Fi, 4G, 3G, any radio signals. His house has screening up on all the windows. He has foil-lined rooms. He just does not want any RF in his house. So the issue was, how do I get him Alexa but without Wi-Fi? Uh, and as I spoke to you earlier on, so that, uh, like Stephen said earlier, I love a challenge like that. You know, I, I don't like technology beating me. And I discovered that after lots of research trying to find Alexa without Wi-Fi, 
Google really wasn't much help. Now, actually, Sonus do a range of products which have a LAN port connection. And the gentleman's house in question, because he has uh, an adversion of Wi-Fi, is cabled. So there's, there's LAN connections in every room. So I managed to install Sonus, enable the Alexa Wi-Fi client, or sorry, the Alexa uh, voice client on it. And he now uses that to stream, particularly BBC broadcasts. But he has a, an interest in radio stations to, from throughout the world, and he streams those as well. And his Alexa works perfectly well with them without Wi-Fi. I mean, that alone is just a wonderful solution but the yeah. fact that you're able to to come up with that and because you love doing this because you're passionate about this you, this isn't it's not a job to you this isn't something that you have to do you're doing it because you want to do it you're in there yeah. you're finding those solutions and that, yeah. that it, 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 brilliant. it's as much it's uh, for me it's the technical challenge i think Stephen said earlier i hate technology beating me mm. you know that there has to be a solution for most things some of them are very easy some very quick to find but that one in particular, it, once I realized that Sonus did a range of products that had LAN ports on them, it was easy. You know, it was a very straightforward thing to do. And he uses the Sonus One, which is a really good quality uh, speaker. It, his only problem now is he plays his Alexa so loud that she sometimes doesn't hear him. <laughs> but that but, is brilliant. What a great yeah. solution. What a yeah, brilliant solution. Yeah. yeah, and he uses it daily now. Uh, the only issue we have at the moment, I actually need to give him a call. Uh, he's now um, enabled it Audible to play books, and it won't stream any more than about 30 seconds to two minutes of the book, and then it stops reading it. I've heard other people with this problem, yeah, oh, with, right, okay. with Lady A devices. Yeah, yeah. Not, not not exclusively to that. I, I don't know what that is. I honestly don't know why. It could be an internet connection issue. It might be a buffering issue. Um, maybe someone in well, the audience will have so an answer. So we, we, we've managed to escalate it to uh, Amazon Technical, so we're waiting on a call back to see what they suggest. Um, Steve, uh, what about you? What's been uh, some requests that you've had or maybe a, a specific request that you've maybe found challenging or you've thought, wow, I don't know if I'll find an answer to this, and you did? Um, I had a customer who wanted a screen reader uh, but didn't want to pay for it. Uh, at, the, at that time, there was, there was, there was probably the Windows own um, reader, screen reader, which he didn't like to use. Uh, so I set about researching to see if there was any other screen readers. And it turned out that it was the NVDA um, package that worked really well and uh, for the best price of all for free. Uh, and, you know, he's been using that for, for years now and he loves it. Um, but I think go, going back to Wacky or, or even uh, I'm astounded sometimes with technology because sometimes I'm asked to do something that I haven't done before uh, and I didn't know that you could stream a book on, on an Alexa mm -hmm. uh, and that, that was done this year sometime uh, and, and I was quite surprised it could um, so it, 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 it does astound me and, and on what technology can do and can give to someone. I am forever astounded at what I don't yeah. know. Um, and that's 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 for life generally right i mean that's that's not exclusive to tech but um but i'm always amazed and, and the other day um i was i was sitting with sean my colleague here on on blind guy and we are uh just sitting chatting in the room and he puts his, his phone down somebody puts his iphone down and he can't find it and i said uh, oh you should have a you know you should have an apple watch on because you can use it to find your phone and he says i don't need that <laughs> and he just shouts to the room H-E-Y, Siri, where are you? And she says, I'm over here. 
<laughs> and in all the years I've used an iPhone, I never thought of that use for Siri. And I was blown away. And I thought, that is brilliant. How yeah, cool is that? Gems, little gems that you didn't know existed. We, we were trying to figure out if there's a way of playing Marco Polo with it um, that would maybe help us find it. Because she only says it once. You have to keep saying, where are you? Where are you? Um, it'd be nice if we could play a game of Marco Polo uh, to, to make it happen. Um, Shona, let me come to you because I, I want to know from your perspective, from a remote support point of view, um, about any kind of odd requests or um, solutions you've maybe found challenging. Yeah, definitely. Just a quick side note: I use that H H E Y Siri to um, find my phone all the time as well. I did not know that was a thing. It's really good. It's, it's really brilliant. Useful. Absolutely Unless brilliant. I, mean, I use the where I use where am I all the time because I'm often standing on a street corner. That doesn't sound right. I'm often standing near a street and I'm <laughs> standing there and saying, "What street is this? Where am I?" Or if I'm waiting, especially if I'm trying to get a taxi to get me. Um, where am I, right? And I can just ask, where am I? And she'll tell me right away where I am. And I, I just absolutely love that. Um, so sorry, yes, your um, your uh, your thoughts on, on this and, and your experiences. Uh, yep, so the, the most, um, in a good way, the most challenging uh, request I got um, was probably, it was basically my second customer. So I wasn't even kind of as experienced yet. And it was... Um, uh, a man who'd kind of recent quite recently lost his sight and he'd never used a smartphone before um and he was hoping to learn how to use voiceover um he wanted to do things like use be my eyes listen to the radio um read letters with cni like printed documents um and read email but when it actually came to learning voiceover because uh, the customer had never used a screen reader before, uh, just completely struggled with the gestures. Uh, so he was familiar with how to use Siri. So what I basically did was kind of, I did a bit of research and I kind of found some alternative ways that he could uh, complete the tasks that he wanted to, basically by working alongside his carer, who um, I kind of talked through the process of creating Siri shortcuts. Um, to do a lot of the tasks. So, for example, there was a call be my eyes shortcut. So he didn't need to use voiceover to get to be my eyes. He could kind of just say, Siri, um, call be my eyes, and it would just do it straight away. Um, there's other examples of kind of downloading a radio station app that would kind of play the stations automatically when you opened it because some of the stations wouldn't play with Siri. Um, and then kind of teaching teaching him how to use an app called speaking email like he previously uh, had it but wasn't sure how to use it so it works on speech recognition um and even with the cni as well creating a shortcut that would take you straight to the short text reading channel so all of that was kind of to because he was struggling with voiceover that much it just basically he was able to complete all the tasks he was hoping to and it's just it was kind of really it was a really good challenge because i think it was it helped me to kind of think out of the box and uh, i definitely had to do a bit of research but i think it was just finding an alternative way for him to use the iphone and in the end he was actually really really happy with it because he could do everything he needed to so that's definitely a the a request that was the most challenging in a good way 
Shauna, you said that you use uh, Mac and uh, iPhone with VoiceOver. Yeah. Um, has it made you a better screen reader user doing all of this? Are you learning things that you didn't know, right? You're, you're learning new stuff that you can use. Yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. There's so many things where um, I, I just didn't realize. I mean, I was working with a, a customer creating kind of voiceover based keyboard shortcuts, and I was just looking around voiceover utility, and I've just added so many keyboard shortcuts to my MacBook now, and it makes it so easy to kind of get things done. Like, there's just so many things I've learned. Um, just since because you kind of have to do the research as well and to be honest even customers telling telling like me something that i didn't realize i think it 100 percent much better screen reader user um staying with you shauna because i want to ask when you meet someone i think this is something i'm very keen to learn about how your how your process works and the same for Stephen for gordon um and we'll come to you in a second but i want to know shauna how you start the the conversation how you begin the teaching process so if someone comes to you for example and says look I, I don't know much about screen readers at all in your case for example someone said you know maybe you're matched with someone who wants to learn a screen reader and they have no idea what's the first step how do you get them familiarized because it is a very different process as you and i both know uh, to using a computer with a screen reader versus you know regular keyboard and mouse and, and screen yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, if it is a more complex request, then I'll do research beforehand. But if it is a case of familiarising someone with the screen reader, it's kind of, um, I'll kind of first um, discuss with them what they would like to, so basically I'll first say, um, what do you know about screen reader? Have you ever used screen readers previously? Um, and if they haven't used it at all, I'll kind of, in in order to be able to kind kind of teach them, I'll kind of get an idea what type of tasks they're hoping to complete with the screen reader. So, for example, they might say, "I just want to use my iPhone for a bit of email reading or web browsing or something," um, and I'll explain. They'll basically have the phone in front of them and they put uh, the turn voiceover up so I can hear it really. And it's just a question of describing the gestures. Sometimes it might take a while to describe the gestures and it's not easy to describe the rotor gesture. That is 100%. Um, <laughs> but it's just kind of describing the gestures. Um, and once they've got a few basics, like the flick to the right, flick to the left, double tap, once they've kind of got that, we might go in a few apps. So, for example, just swiping around the mail app and it. it it normally once they've got the basics it just takes practice and sometimes i'll kind of refer them to resources if they're a bit more advanced um i might send them some resources like on applevis or something like that just to um in case they they just want to uh, explore that further and and just on the the mac point specifically um we've been talking a lot on this podcast about switching from either or not switching from but but moving away from windows to mac and uh, for many people they use the iphone with voiceover and they think it's great and then they think well if it's if it's this easy and it's this good and it's this simple i can do this on my, on my mac and um some people are finding that that's not as uh, easy as they as they thought it was uh, are you finding that with people are you having any issues with people who think 
well, hey, if if the if the iPhone's this easy, the the Mac must be super easy. Uh yeah, there has there has been a few where they sometimes kind of find it a lot more difficult because there's a lot of uh, keyboard shortcuts uh, on the Mac. And sometimes the the customers I've worked with, um, a couple of university students come to mind, they kind of were learning the Mac and the iPhone at the same time. But I, I do think they kind of thought, you know, um, I can transfer these skills onto onto the Mac and vice versa. And that is true to a certain extent because you've got things like trackpad commander and things like that. But it's also kind of a whole different whole different situation when you're actually having to learn all the keyboard shortcuts and voiceover commands. So I, I definitely have noticed that. Um, Steve, um, let me come to you because I want to sort of pick your brains on that one. That that's sort a of first initial uh, meeting. Now you are uh, you're going to people's homes, and you're getting to sit with them. Um, mm. What is that first conversation like when you're trying to encourage, not at all encourage, but maybe assist someone, shall we say, in using a new piece of technology they've never used before? Uh, it depends on what they're using. You know, if they if they have a, an iPhone, or if they're using a Windows device, you know that that would determine the 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 direction, and also you know what they want to do with it. What what do they do on the device? If it's just emails, um, you know that there, there is options to go down the the guide route where it's kind of all enclosed and they can use that system, uh, or they would want to use the the Windows narrator. Uh, or other. Um, sometimes it's even down to the preferential of of voice. I don't like the voice on the razor. I like the voice on another one. Um, so yeah, we do have the conversation of this is your device. This is what you want it for, and then you know we we take it into that kind of direction. Then put the software on there. Then go through the basics, um, and you know with a manual that they can read in the, in their own time for them to then progress their skills. And, you know, we're always there if they need any additional help and get them to use their devices better. What about you, Gordon? What's your, what's your approach? I, I'm guessing patience is, is key in this role, right? Yeah, I, I think in most of them, regardless whether it's remote support or, uh, you know, home visit, it's a call to see what the problem is. So not always the ticket always not always will describe in full what the issue is. So usually it ends up in a chat with so what is it you want to achieve? You know what is it you're having an issue with? What is it you're trying to do? What do you want help with? I did a visit last week. I, I did a preliminary call with a guy, elderly gentleman. Uh, the ticket was about wants help with IT. I think that was how it was described. Had a quick chat and said, look, before I come down, it's really useful. Make a note of those things that you want to talk to me about, because I find when I go and visit people, they've forgotten what it was or what was the main thing. And God bless him, he did it in spades. I think he had four sides of A4 of things he wanted to talk about from you know the very busy, his, his opening one, what's a browser? Was his opening question. And yeah. when I sat and thought about it, I got, yeah, we do that in people all the time. I says, well, so, for example, Firefox, he went, oh, Microsoft Edge. I said, yeah, that's a browser. He said, so why do they call it a browser? And why, why don't they call it by its, 
you know, product name. But so they're all different as to what each individual client will do. Uh, the remote support ones, totally different again. Generally, those are much better if you can do an initial visit and then the remote support is so much easier thereafter. Um, one thing I forgot to mention, during um, the, the sort of the lockdown of COVID, on a few occasions, we were still allowed to do collections. And I'd spent about, oh, maybe three calls to the lady trying to get her to install a quick assist on her, I think it was an Android tablet, and it just it wouldn't load. And eventually went and collected the device, got uh, TeamViewer loaded, and gave it back to her, and we were able to carry on then and do remote support. So again, they're, they're all so different. Some people love remote support. Some people much prefer to have you you have them in, the, in their house. Christine, I'm going to bring you back in because uh, I know we're getting some comments in the chat and um, I just wanted to, to pick up on those. And if anyone else in our audience wants to have a say or speak, um, please do raise your hand. Okay, so um, just a few comments, really. So I'm just going to go back the way. Um, Jeff makes a really great point that the iPhone versus Mac is probably as different as Android Talkback versus Windows Narrator. Um, you know, that's something that we sometimes talk about, the differences between these um, platforms. Um, but yeah, that is that is a great point. Joao um, is also a remote volunteer, and he's talking about... Um, getting people uh, to use voiceover and he says that he usually gets them to use voiceover help in order to test and learn the gestures I think that's the is that the tutorial on um, on voiceover the kind of tutorial mode type thing so it'll help people actually get used to doing things without I suppose breaking people are always afraid of breaking things aren't they and or doing the wrong thing well, um, uh, Shauna, I'm sure Shauna will uh, speak more to this than, than me I guess but <laughs> Um, but certainly on the, the voiceover tutorial or on the Mac, that's one thing. But yeah. on the phone, I'm right in saying this, Shauna, four-finger double tap, is that right? And that starts key, or starts voiceover yep. help? That's right, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Nice and easy. Well, you um, have to remember to do it again, otherwise it will continually just tell you whatever you're touching but not do yeah. anything. So you have to remember to do four-finger double tap to, to turn it off. But that is a very useful tool just to remind you of what, you know, when you swipe, what it means, what it does, what that gesture does. And of course, uh, and you mentioned this earlier, Shauna, there are so many uh, gestures on voiceover you can customize, you can make it your own. One, for example, I'm looking to customize at the minute is the magic tap, which is two finger um, double tap used for, say, play pause or for answering or ending a call. Um, but I find it quite difficult. And on the move this this past couple of weeks, I found it quite difficult to be able to stop and do it. And I'd kind of like to be able to do it one handed. So I can just tap or swipe or do something to activate that magic tap, and you can customize that in the in the uh, in the voiceover settings, which is cool. Brilliant. And just going back to the whole um, non-Wi-Fi use of um, Echo devices, Fiona mm. um, points out that John Lewis do an internet radio with an Ethernet connection, so that's a really good option. And Jeff suggested that a smart TV with Ethernet and Alexa would now be cheaper. Um, so there's probably more and more um, options for people to, to set up that kind of thing. Um, but I do like Gordon's um, Gordon's way. It was nice and slick. Um, yes, and, and it gives you the smart speaker, right? That was the thing. Yeah. It gets the smart yeah. speaker aspect without a TV being turned on. I just, exactly. Can I just say to that point, though, there's yeah. one um, thing that I learned, I, and it's so funny, I remember, 
I remember once I was going to buy a Sonos One, which was the the new at that time the the new smart speaker from Sonos that is still available that has Lady A built in. And I was actually on the bus on the way into town to go to John Lewis to buy it, and I was listening to a review on the way, and the review said. Now, just remember that you do not get the full Lady A experience on these devices. When they are not Amazon devices, features like drop-in or announce or a number of other Amazon-specific features are not available. And that's the same on the TVs to some degree as well, I think, on some of them. But if it's a Fire Stick, if it's an Echo Dot or an Echo Show, essentially Echo devices made by Amazon, you'll get the full experience. So I got off the bus, got on the other bus and came home. I thought, I don't want that. I want the full experience. Why am I losing out? Absolutely. Uh, particularly the Sonos one, Google Home doesn't work at all well. So it doesn't. It, it, it's very poor in the functionality of, of Hey Google. If we yeah. That. It's funny, isn't it? Because we talk so much about Amazon Echo. We've got Google Home. We've got Lady yeah. S as well, uh, the Siri option uh, on the HomePods. But they're, they're quite limited in their functionality. And Google Home, I think the key difference is because on on the Amazon Echo, you have the skills. So you can essentially customize how your device works. You can add skills to it. You can add things to it. And it makes sense. On Google, you do have a lot of that, but it's called Google Actions. And you essentially have to know what those actions are, what they're called. You don't enable them. They're just available. But of course, you know, it's like having 65,000 options in front of you. Which one do you pick? And is my option there? So you know, having put them side by side, they actually do function the same, but it's knowing how to to use them. And I think a lot of people, especially uh, blind people, have opted for Amazon Echo. But I think if we're all honest about it, it's because that's what came first in the UK. Google Home came second. And I don't know about you guys, but I've bought about, I think I've got about 20 of these things at home. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to switch them all out for Google Homes now. Uh, and the HomePod, you know, if you like music, great. The sound is amazing. And if you like knowing facts about music, it's brilliant. But as a smart assistant, well, we're still in a bit of a debate here on the podcast about how good it is. And we will be putting it to the test in, in coming weeks. Um, we're almost out of time, guys. But I just want to quickly go back around again and, and just sort of quickly ask, um, maybe start with Steve this time. Um, you know, just thinking back to what you said earlier and the fact that this became not just something that you did for fun, although it is very much something you enjoy and something you love doing, you created a business out of it. This was something which meant you were able to go on and, and you know, create a job and a, and, a, and, a, and a career for yourself in this field out of. Um, so you would definitely, I imagine, encourage others to take this up, not just for a pastime, but possibly a career. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh... You know, I started technology uh, when I was probably about 10 years old and took apart a radio, uh, except like who wants to know how it worked. So I always had that buzz of technology. Um, and with, you know, working in the schools and also the RNIB, you know, it's development skills. Um, so, yeah, I would always recommend, you know, any, any technician I would know, you know, to go towards that but it does develop skills. It does add skills to otherwise you, you would never have got, uh, got skills from. And, and it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding. I, you know, I, I enjoy it so much. You know, even my career, I would do it for free if I could, you know, pay the bills. But, you know, I have to, I have to earn the money. 
Well, I, I enjoyed that much. Yeah, I, I did it free. Yeah, what was that phrase? If you enjoy your job, you never work a day in your life, something like that. That's um, right, yes. I totally get that. I totally get yeah. that. I mean, I, I would never tell my employers that I would do it for free because I wouldn't. Um, but <laughs> no, I probably would. Um, I do tell the, the my, my friends that it, it beats working for a living. Yeah. Doing what I do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gordon, what about you? I mean, this is obviously your career for many years. You've, you've, used that experience and you've used all that knowledge you've built up to to do this um for someone looking for that pastime for something to do it it, it sounds as if it's just a lot of fun and it sounds like it's really engaging for you it, it, it's both challenging and rewarding i think are the two aspects of it and it, it sort of keeps the brain sharp you asked about how i keep up with technology that's why i keep up with technology what's new what, what could some of these devices, gadgets do for people in those particular set of circumstances? And as Stephen said, incredibly rewarding. You know, th th there's nothing more wonderful. A lady during um, the COVID did her remote, got her laptop, she'd been given a device, and the joy in her voice because she'd received an email from her cousin in England, you know, just yeah. so delighted. And, the, you know, the reward of that is absolutely wonderful. Highly recommend it for anyone. Now, Shona, what about you? What's what's your goal here? Is it is it to continue doing this? Are you thinking of this as a career move? Um, a hundred percent would uh, want to continue doing this, and if if uh, there was ever an option for kind of working uh, doing this as a career, I would hundred percent um kind of take that option. Uh, it's it's honestly just just like everyone else has been saying, it's so rewarding just knowing that you're able to use your skills to make a difference uh, in someone's life and have a positive impact. And I think it's, um, it definitely it's, it's worth it. And it also, I think it's even better as well because you're helping people, but you're learning at the same time. So every time you help someone, you basically learning while you're going. And I think that is also the second aspect of it as well as, as it being rewarding. I think you're learning, um, things and it's, yeah, it's, definitely it's a really really rewarding interesting role and final word to you pat um you know from a, a coordination point of view from getting the volunteers in and encouraging people to come and do this uh, I, I guess your message is just please come along please ask questions please learn about what we do uh, and come join us Absolutely. Um, you've left the you've left the oldest until last. Um, you know, my experience of, of, of helping people with um, computers goes back a long, long way. 2007, I started <clears throat> um, and that was part of the job I was doing. Um, I then retired. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But but I'm I'm you know I'm I'm like everybody else. Any volunteer is 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 enthusiastic about what they do. They also have to have um, you know that it will not beat me spirit. Um, you know that Gordon and Stephen have both got, and 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 even you know Sean has got it as well. It won't beat me. I will find an answer to it. Um, you, you you've got to have that thing. But the but the other thing that that I've got to point out with volunteers and and the ones you know the, the ones that are the, the the ones that like to do it also like people. 
Um, because it's all right us knowing all the technology and everything that technology can do. But what you have to do first, like, you know, all of the all, all of the volunteers have already said, you talk to that person, you find what that person wants, and then you give it, you know, you help them. Sometimes it's not possible and you have to be able to say, we can't do that, but... And there's always possibly something else that you can do. But 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 the the real biggie is um, people and the people that you're dealing with, um, you know, that you are going to be hopefully be able to make a difference to. That's. That's your reward for doing it. Uh, and uh, I said final word to Pat, but actually to Christine as well um, on, on similar topic, I guess, from RNIB's perspective. Um, it is just you know let's let's keep doing this and let's let's keep enhancing this because it is such a vital service today absolutely yeah please everyone who is doing it please keep on doing it get your friends to do it um hopefully i want to do it now you well you, you're very welcome I'm, I'm not sure about where you currently are Stephen. you might have to come back to to scotland uh, okay, fine. <laughs> that's the thing I'm happy it's, to do that. it's such a, the thing is about these roles as well you can do it from wherever you are in the uk you know people we have volunteers that move around um that sometimes they're in one place sometimes in another they do it in two different places it's a really flexible volunteer role for people to do um to kind of take on what they want and all of that kind of stuff so you know we we really want as many people and everyone kind of contributes to um the kind of smorgasbord of technology as well you know that's a really great thing that we've got kind of a great kind of hive mind um of, of different experiences so um love it <laughs> well i i want to thank all of you for uh coming on and sharing your thoughts with me here on this podcast. Um, thank you also for your continuing support for what we're doing here. And I just wanted to give some of that back to you to, to highlight to my audience what you are doing and to encourage them to benefit from the support, maybe even engage in providing the support. I think that's the key point. There are many people I know who, who listen to my podcast who may well want to sign up now, and maybe you'll be deluged with uh, requests on ability to an RIB side, which would be brilliant. Um, the most important thing is people have the information. That's the key on every level of this, volunteering, this actual service you provide, all of that. So I thank you for it. Um, personally and I, I thank you for your time uh, to uh, to Shauna to Steve and to uh, Pat as well and uh, also to Gordon as well thank you so much and to Christine thank you for all your support thank you for shepherding all of this I really <laughs> appreciate it and uh, that is it for our episode of Blind Guy Talks Tech today you can of course keep in touch with us the usual way you can email hello at blindguytalkstech.com you can call and leave a voicemail as well on 0204 571 3354. We'll catch you again tomorrow.